As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The culture is the culture. It's four to six A to B, competitive excellence, and the brotherhood. The plan to win uh, has never changed. So the culture here and the plan to win is always going to be here at Ohio State. Welcome back to 4 to 6 with A&B, your Ohio State podcast brought to you by The Athletic. This is Bill Landish, joined by Ari Wasserman. Ari, I felt like I uh, lost 15 pounds standing in the Woody Hayes Athletic Center on Wednesday as I watched uh, Ohio State's first camp of the summer, and I'm wondering if you missed those days at all. I miss hanging out with you, but it always seems to be. There's the two hottest days of the year, regardless of uh, geography uh, or where you are or the calendar, is the first camp inside the Woody Hayes Athletic Center and the first game of the regular season. Yeah. Those two days are the hottest days of the year. It was unbearably hot at Ohio State's first recruiting camp. It was actually quite nice in the beginning part of the day. There was a nice breeze. was watching the offensive linemen and defensive linemen go at it. it was, it's, it's a good morning. And then it rained the hardest I've ever seen it rain in Ohio. I've lived here for almost eight years now. I've never seen it rain as hard as it rained for about 10 minutes in the middle of Ohio State's camp. And then after that, I felt like I was in Louisiana in the middle of July. It was so hot and muggy. Unbearable. I don't know how those kids work out in that stuff. Maybe it's because yeah. they're in shape and I'm not. No, I don't think being in shape really – I mean, you're. I think maybe we're more prone to sweating. Certainly more prone to sweating. Yeah, that's true. Um, I actually say this all the time, and I know that everybody makes a joke because like, it's a dry heat. But, like, I think I grew up in the hottest place in America. Like, people think that, that haven't visited there. I will take Phoenix heat over a terribly muggy Columbus Day or Dallas weather. 
I feel that. It, I feel it that. gets really, really, really. Un- it's. I feel like it's hotter in Phoenix, but it's more uncomfortable in those scenarios. It is. Um, I've only experienced like really extreme, like desert heat. One time, I was in Vegas in July for God knows what reason, and it was like 110 degrees, and it was hot. Uh, but yeah, feeling like you're standing in the middle of a swamp is, I think, is much worse. And that's how it felt for the second half of Ohio State's first camp. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, hopefully you lost a few pounds. Yeah, I think. Did I you did. feel a little skinny this morning when you woke up? Woke you know, up, his pants yeah. fit a little bit better. I woke, I woke up uh, feeling skinny and sore because I was on my feet for like eight hours. And my body can't handle that anymore. Either. Where are you going out of town? You're going out of town this week somewhere? Yes, I'm going to Philadelphia. I'm going. My uh, my grandmother turns eighty on Saturday. So oh uh, damn! Congratulations! I think That's it's awesome. a, I think it's a surprise, but she doesn't listen to this podcast, so we're okay. So uh, yeah, we're going out there and uh, we're going to have a nice dinner on Saturday. Looking forward to it. You want to come? Uh, that'd be great. You, you have time to take me on the food food tour. I just got a uh, fraud alert from my uh, my debit or my my credit card. That was me. Uh, it says Papa's Pizza, so you would think that I did that, but I didn't. So I'm starting to freak out, and it was for twenty dollars and fifty six cents. Papa's Pizza. I've never heard of Papa's Pizza. Papa S Pizza. Fraud alert. Did you just attempt a twenty dollars and fifty? What pizza place? Ten twenty two a.m. That's in Columbus, I think. It is. I think so. Yeah. Papa's Pizza. Oh, no, maybe not. I feel like I've seen it before. That's good. Um, now we can do the podcast. I have an internal meltdown the entire time. It's a real, it's a real place. So at least we have that. Yeah, Papa's to go pizza, fresh baked. This one large three topping pizza for fifteen ninety nine does not seem like that great of a deal. Uh, they, get the, they get the cauliflower crust though. Yeah, I guess if you're into that sort of thing. <laughs> Sorry. Um, sorry someone's stealing your identity and buying pizza yeah i mean i have that uh that thing that i pay 20 dollars a month for that does nothing for my credit score so i hope you know the like credit secure that's supposed to like stop from fraud happening um so let's just hope that they don't go to walmart yeah well as you're monitoring that why don't we also try to talk about ohio state's first recruiting camp of the summer is that okay okay <laughs> yeah yeah I'm i'm monitoring it okay he's monitoring it uh, it was, it was an interesting day. There were there were a couple of twenty twenty three offers that went out. Um, probably the the highlight of of them being Austin Novasad, the quarterback who's committed to Baylor, who we talked about a little bit, I think, on the last podcast. Uh, he showed up on his own dime as a committed player, which is always worth paying attention to. Um, he worked out alongside Jax Leatherwood, who is who has a great. Tremendous name, one of the best names I've ever heard, uh, and he's like six foot forever. He was very tall, um, six seven, I think. He worked out aside, alongside him. Uh, Jax is a Nevada commit uh, from California, I believe. So a kid from Texas and a kid from California flew out to Ohio State to compete for an offer. And Austin Novasad is the one who got the offer. Um, and having watched the two work out, they did like a little kind of private workout inside the Woody for Ryan Day and Corey Dennis for maybe. <sighs> 40 minutes or so, then went out to the field and then threw with the receivers and DBs for 101s. And I thought the entire time watching it that, that Austin Novosad clearly had just a little more to him. Um, better better zip on the ball, better footwork. Um, he looked incredibly small next to Jax Otherwood, but that's because Jax is 6'7 and Austin's only 6'2", six, 6'3". Like six, six, so um, he's not he's not a small quarterback. He just looks small by comparison. Um, but it's interesting, right? Like when, when that happens, Ari, a kid like that who's committed comes out competes for an offer and then gets the offer. Like I'm, I'm kind of inclined to believe now that like 
this is like probably going to be their guy in twenty twenty three recruiting class. I, I mean, when when we found out that he was going out there, I always feel like if there's a committed prospect that they are going to have pay for their own trip, especially coming from that far away, that the workout is almost a formality. Not that I don't want to see them throw in person; that's always a, a big deal. But the fact that Ohio State went to the lengths to get him to come throw, I think, is always a sign that like this is bound to happen, unless he has a terrible showing. But they've done enough study on film and, and seen the guy on tape and talked to him enough to know what he's got. Um, and then they have you come throw, and they're like, okay, well, we see what we thought you are, and now you have the offer. So like, I am not surprised to see this. Um, the, the interesting thing to me about this is that like whenever this happens, doesn't it just kind of feel like any minute now he's going to flip? Because like that, that always seems to be the case, mm-hmm. and I don't know like if it's just like an offer, and then you're waiting three months. But like what? And I'm sure you're going to write about him, right? Mm-hmm. I'm very curious to know like what the sales pitch is to him, and like how you can convince somebody who is committed to a program that is actually pretty good to be the guy to come like fit in between three five star prospects. I think is a tough sell. I agree with that. I'm, I'm interested in that as well. I've not, I've not talked to him. I talked to him before he came out here. I've not talked to him um, since since he camped, but I'm hoping to get him on the phone when we're recording this on, on Thursday to, to talk a little bit about that because I'm interested in that in that pitch as well. I mean, he knows the deal, right? He came up here knowing what the quarterback situation is, and I think it's something we've talked about before. It's like, I don't know. Could you can, can you convince yourself that you're better off, you know, developing for a couple of years as a backup at Ohio State than maybe having the opportunity to get it thrown into the fire right away at a program um, that has a little bit of a more inviting quarterback situation? And I, and I don't know what 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 Austin is thinking. Um, I think he just kind of came up here looking to have a good camp, and and I think that he had one and he got his offer. And but but like talking to him last week, I didn't get the impression that it was like as soon as he got that offer, he was going to flip. I think I think they'll probably be more pragmatic about it than that he may even do some more more camps who knows this is a kid who's an elite 11 finalist like he's going to get on more people's radar he's already committed to a power five program he has an ohio state offer he's going to be at the elite 11 finals like he could be flooded with offers by the time the fall comes around it's just a matter of like the rate at which he processes all that and then and then you know, decides whether or not he wants to stick with Baylor, which is in his home state of Texas, or or wants to and an inexplicably good program consistently. Baylor is a very solid program, and, and I think a program that people think is on the rise a little bit, right? As as long as um, who the hell's the head coach there? The guy who was the defensive coordinator at LSU, Dave Aranda, um, have seemed to have a pretty good thing going there, and and they're going to be like in a different situation in a Big Twelve that is probably more winnable with Texas and Oklahoma out of the picture, right? Yeah, you know, and but then the, the the flip of that is, do you want to go to a place that might be in a conference that's not considered Power Five in three years? Like, that, I mean, there's like yeah. mm-hmm. there is a the the thing that I do find fascinating. In have we talked about? I do, and then this isn't a humble brag. I'm actually embarrassed, but I do a lot of podcasts, and I can't remember what I say on on certain ones. But have we talked about the Jimbo Fisher Nick Saban beef even for a minute on this show? I don't believe we have. So anyway, the, the the reason why I'm bringing that up is because the thing that Nick Saban has created at Alabama that made him, that probably makes him resent the fact that he lost to Texas A&M in recruiting is that he has built a program that has developed prospects as the story that you that you, that you wrote uh, illustrates better than anybody else in America, and there is an inherent value 
to going to Alabama as a scholarship player, right? You know, the, the, the support that you get, the coaching that you're going to get, and the likelihood or the higher likelihood that you're going to be developed not only into a draft pick but into a high-end draft pick. And to me, there's a monetary value there. If it doesn't come in a duffel bag, there's still a monetary value. Would you agree with that? Mm-hmm. So if you put yourself in this kid's position, even if you come to a program that has all these different players you know, before him and after him coming in as highly touted recruits, you might think to yourself, well, going to Ohio State has a monetary value from the facilities, the passion of the fan base, the, the level of coaching I'm going to get, the level we're competing at, and how well they've developed quarterbacks, that I might as well go take a shot. Maybe um, the best case scenario is I'll be better than some of the five-star players that they signed, and I will be the star quarterback there. Best case scenario. Worst case scenario is I'll still probably be pretty good. Maybe never play, but I get uh, instructed by some of the best coaches in America at this position that will develop me in order to transfer very easily to wherever I want in a year or two. Mm -hmm. And I think that that monetary value that Ohio State has that has nothing to do with NIL and all to do with reputation makes it a very attractive risk for people in his position to take. And I don't know if people talk about that enough in the NIL circles. And like if I were him, it's like, do you want to go to Baylor? Um, or do you want to go at Ohio State, try your best to maybe exceed expectations and become the guy? And even if you don't, you're going to get much better in the two years that you're there or the year that you're there. And then, by the way, you can just go transfer to Baylor whenever the hell you want. And like to me, I think that's an attractive option. I think it is, too. And the, the other thing, like, and I think we've gamed this out before, it's like Kyle McCord is starter next year. He could be one and done and leave. And then Devin Brown after him, he could be one and done and leave. And if you're Austin Novosad, all of a sudden you're like going into year three and you're in prime position to start. You have Dylan Rayola there too, obviously, and he's very good. But you've been in the program for two years by that point. Like it's not – again, it doesn't feel unreasonable to me to like have to sit for a year or two and then become the starting quarterback at Ohio State. Like that – like that should that be is, like that used to be the thing. That was right. the whole thing. Right. So, so and I realize it's it's a different landscape now than it was, you know, even three, three, four years ago. But I think maybe a more sort of pragmatic person can can kind of get themselves to that point too and realize that like taking taking that swing is worth it, even if you might be passing up an opportunity to get on the field perhaps earlier at a place like Baylor or anywhere else, really. I mean, and it's not that Baylor like Baylor's a good program. Like if starting quarterback at Baylor's you know they've had a first round pick in the last ten years, uh, right? Robert Griffin was in the last mm-hmm. ten years, right? Yeah. So it's not like you well, can actually, go there. somebody paid three first round draft picks for him. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> um, but you know that's a maybe Baylor's a bad example because it's not like he's coming from like I don't know UCF or something like that. But um, I still think that it'll be an, an enticing opportunity for him, even if it does look quite crowded at the moment um, in Ohio State's quarterback room. Uh, so I just looked this up because this reminds me. Oh, by the way, Baylor won a conference with Texas and Oklahoma in it last year. So like that, like they're a Power Five conference champion. So yeah, like, no, they're good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I wrote a story two years ago about Jackson Dart, who I think a lot of people th- might think that outside of Caleb Williams is the best rated prospect or the most influential transfer. Right? Maybe not as as big as Jordan Addison or, or Caleb Williams, but he is definitely in the top five. Yep. And I went back and I looked at his chart because this kid's path uh, reminds me a little of Jackson Dart's path as a recruit. And if you go back and look, like Jackson Dart's ranking in October of his senior year, he was rated number 300 overall nationally. And I think Novasad is 308, if I'm not mistaken. That's right. Um, and then in November, uh, six weeks later, um, he was 238. Then... 
a month later was 103, and then he ultimately landed um, at 831. I mean, at 69. So, like, his trajectory kind of reminds me a little bit of that. Now, he's a little bit further ahead because Dart um, didn't really start to see the rise until, like, the second half of his senior year. Um, but he certainly kind of illustrates those um, those qualities. And the fact that he's going to the Elite 11, it's kind of like, what was Drew Aller rated last year at this time? Didn't he, like, turn out to be a five-star prospect? And, like, Drew Aller, I think, was in the 300s as well before he went to that camp. Yes. So it's like if Ohio State wants to go into this and get a commitment from somebody who ranks like this currently, who has a lot of big things ahead of him, then I think that you can sell this to um, Dylan um, Riola as a, as a way of saying, you know what, we didn't know that this guy was going to blow. You know what I mean? Like, and if he blows up, then they might be able to get a four or five star. I mean, like, honestly, it's not within the realm of the possibility for him to, to end up as a top 50 player. I mean, it happened to CJ Stroud. This happens all the time. Yeah. And, and there's, like increasingly every year, I think that there's going to be some kind of bump with whoever Ohio State tabs as its quarterback because they have that kind of cachet. Like we talk about the the, the Bama bump all the time, right? And, and I think there's an Ohio State bump in general too, but especially so with quarterbacks. Now, a lot of the guys they've recruited have sort of already had that standing when they kind of got them. And if they get Austin, you know, in the next couple months, he won't have that. But I think you could see a rise there just because people value Ohio State's opinion on quarterbacks with, with the way they developed the position and evaluated the position. Since I also Ryan think there's an Elite there. 11 pump too, Bill. For sure. I think yeah. just going to that just going to that event and having a good performance, or maybe just even your existence in the event, I, I think is a huge thing for the quarterback rankings, and they always alter very drastically after every year. So, mm-hmm. you know, um, I personally think that this is exactly the type of move that Ohio State had. To, I mean, listen – we, we talked about the two the two things that Ohio State could do at quarterback, right? It's one, ignore it completely in the 2022 or 23 class um, as to not upset the five-star coming in behind him or, you know, and address it in the portal or try to find somebody that threads the needle that isn't too intimidating. And it's like this might be the ideal way that you'd want to go about this, assuming that Dylan's going to be okay with it. And I assume that he will or is, is at least aware of what's going on. Yeah, I don't, I don't think uh... – I don't think Dylan Rayola cares too much about what what comes in or who comes in in front of him. I think he understands the deal at Ohio State um, that they're going to try to get a guy every year. And even if it looked like they weren't going to have a guy this cycle, um, even if Austin Novosad ends up becoming like a a capital G guy, um, I don't think that does anything to derail the commitment of of Dylan Rayola. I think think Ohio State will probably still have to recruit him because I don't think other programs are going to stop coming after him. Um, But I wouldn't worry much about that, about the competition being something that that would – set that you know on a on a course that would concern you so um two other 23 offers that went out in or after uh wednesday's camp uh one was jermaine matthews uh cornerback from winton woods who is not a very highly rated player he's obviously in the state of ohio but he's ranked number 555 overall but i, I and i'm not i don't i don't want to be the kind of person that every time ohio state gets a kid who's ranked low who just says, like, whatever, he's going to Ohio State, he must be good. Uh, he had one of the better camp performances I think I've seen in my time covering Ohio State. Like, he was awesome on Wednesday, just, like, super competitive. Like, all the Ohio State players who were out there kind of watching watching the one-on-one drills were, like, really into it, really hyping Jermaine up. Um, like, 
lobbying for him to get an offer, and then after the camp was like telling telling him that he needs to go to Ohio State. Like Jalen Johnson was in his ear big time. Uh, it seemed like Cameron Brown was in his ear big time. Like I I I understand that the ranking is what the ranking is. Um, but I've seen some really good corners at Ohio State, and I've seen him at different stages of development, and he looks like a kid to me who can can turn into something, you know pretty noteworthy even if he is ranked where he is ranked right now and he got the offer which and i think when that happens for a kid that's in state means that he's probably going to end up in ohio state recruiting class yeah well i uh that's the one thing i miss when you say do you miss those hot days in in at the camps watching stuff like that was always really fun because yeah. it really is a unique it's a unique look into how ohio state evaluates players in person which i don't think you get to see very often and when you get to see somebody actually perform at a level you know, it's like sometimes, and I'm I'm the biggest guilty party of this than anybody. But like, I'll go to a camp. I'm going to one at, at TCU on Saturday, and I'll like look at the ratings, and I'll apply my opinion of that person based on their ratings, and when it should be the reverse. Um, and I think a lot of times too, like that's just subconscious because you just anticipate somebody being good. So anytime they do anything remotely athletic, you just are like, oh no crap, he's good. But like, if you weren't and you're somebody who's been around the block enough to have watched camp performances and know what it's supposed to look like. If you didn't know what he was ranked before you saw him work out, what would you think he was ranked? Like a top 150 player. So, you know, like if that is the evaluation, then, you know, that is what it is. So, I mean, and everybody knows my opinion about the ranking, but, you know, I also trust Ohio State's staff to to evaluate properly, especially when they're in their building. You know, mm -hmm. it's a little bit different. Like if you go and, and watch film and you see it, I mean, if you see them like working out, you these coaches have a very keen understanding of what pure athleticism looks like, and I think that's the baseline fundamental thing that you need to be able to evaluate as an Ohio State coach. And there's yep. no better place to do that than right in front of you when you're putting them through workouts. So, you know, I'm okay with it. I guess. I mean, like I don't like. It's it, the second I saw he got offered, and in Winton Woods is a pretty good high school program too. I feel like we went down there once a year to write about a kid when I was out there. Uh -huh. So they they always seem to have somebody um, from that high school. But you know, it will be interesting, Bill, that as these commitments start to rack in and it, it happens, like how are you going to evaluate the class as a whole? Will be good. Like I'm like looking forward to that because it's like you know we always do the revisionist history of like what classes were the best four years from now and it would be interesting to be like me who would be disappointed in a class that has a bunch of middle tier players um that turns out to be one of the more productive classes on the field so you know i don't know like i don't maybe i don't have it all figured out but well it's hard right you just like it's you're just trying to project and the, and the tool you use to project is is the rankings and the rankings would tell you that you know not every kid who's ranked in the 500s ends up becoming a stud. Sometimes it happens. Ohio State, I think, has a pretty good track record of, of guys like that becoming good players. But I also don't think you can just assume, right, that it's going to happen. Yeah, before. and I, I just don't know. Like, what is it? what do you think is a successful hit rate? If you bring in 10 players into your program that are rated in between 400 and 700, how many of those players need to be productive starters in your mind for that to be a like a, 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 a strategy worth – pursuing uh i don't know like three or four does that seem low to you it seems very low to me yes i don't know i guess like if the other half of your class is like all top 100 guys then i think you can get away with it being like three or four so then you would be okay with almost a quarter of your class being a miss no because well miss there's a there's a lot of room between miss and productive starter it's like 
Yeah. Uh, well, there's 25 I mean, guys in every recruiting class. All 25, they'll become starters. It doesn't mean the guys who yeah. become starters aren't valuable members of your program. You need backups. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know. I, I'm just saying, like, I would want them to hit on at least half. Yeah, you know, I guess half so, is fine. Half, half, half is only half is one more than what I said. Yeah. So I what did I say? Ten. Yeah. I said three or four. You're saying half. Yeah. So. Okay. I mean, I, yeah. I just. I guess the I'm just being impatient, and maybe I'm just sounding like a typical Ohio State person, but like I want to see the fireworks. I think they're going to be fireworks. At the, okay. I, I think I think. You sort of have to go player by player. So let's, let's just let's assume that like Jermaine Matthews is going to be an Ohio State's recruiting class, right? And it's do like, it, okay. yeah, do it. So he's in the class. He's a corner. He is taking the place of of whom? And it's like they don't have. If you looked at their board, there's like not a like a dynamite five star cornerback that they were after. Like I know, like they they would love to have Cormani McLean. They're they're not going to get him. Like I don't think anyone's thinking they're going to get him. So it's like, all right, they're in the running for like Christian Christian Gray and Kay and Lee and. Those guys are ranked higher than Jermaine Matthews, but I don't know. I, I if take if taking Jermaine Matthews like means it might become more difficult to get like Kay and Lee or Christian Gray. It's like all right, I think I can live with that. It's like if you were taking if Jermaine Matthews was a safety and you were taking him, and it's like oh now we like we can't take we're taking him because we're not going to get Caleb Downs. Like that's a little bit different calculus, but like I think you have to sort of take yeah. position by position or like and it's like how much better like, is is a Christian Gray who's rated number one fifteen. How much better is he than a person who's rated where, where Jermaine's rated? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I, and I think, you know, I, I think it's true that Ohio prospects tend to get ranked lower, um, and I think that's because there's there's a gap. I think in between when you like, I think a lot of Ohio prospects get evaluated during the fall, obviously, and then like now. And a lot of the guys who play in different parts of the country where they have spring football, I think, just have more eyeballs on them throughout the process, and thus are, are usually rated a little higher. Um, but I, and that's why I think you tend to see Ohio guys rise later in the process. So, at the moment, I don't know. Like, they would tell you there's a huge gap because one's in the 500s and one's in the 100s, but I don't know if that's actually true. Yeah, and it's also too you got to take into account, and this is just an implication that Ohio State's class is going to be the majority of it's going to be like this. But if you get 10% worse at every position than what you could have, I think that over the course of an entire class, that's significant. So, like, you know, again, very alarming uh, conversation that I'm having right now about it, and it might it might not actually come true. You know, I'm very curious to see how Ohio State ends up, and it's one of the top 10 storylines I have in, my, in this post that I wrote for Saturday, or for Thursday um, on The Athletic. But I, it's just like... That is just in the back of my head, and we talk about it all the time, and there's a huge difference between what my worry is for Ohio State's class and then you saying, I watched this kid, and Ohio State's players watch this kid, and he's definitely an Ohio State kid. It's like, okay, I accept that. You know, like, there's got to be, like, a – you can't just revert to just, like, well, the rankings say he's not as good as somebody else, so he's no way he's as good. Like, if you saw it with your eyes, then you saw it with your eyes, you know? Right, yeah, and I think th- I think that's the disconnect, and an understandable one sometimes. It's like you're you're doing a national thing. The, 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 the thing you have to go on the most is the rankings and, like, other people's evaluations because you're not able to go out everywhere and, and see players play. But I also think, like, if you were at that camp with me on Wednesday and you saw Jermaine Matthews, you would, you would be like, okay, this kid's a dog. Like, he's but, I, but I also, like, respect your opinion enough to accept it. Yeah, so, yeah. Like, you know, I wasn't there, so I didn't see it. But if you're telling me that this guy looked like a, like he was rated like Ray, then, you know, and Ohio State's coaching staff knows how to evaluate players. So, you know, I'm not, 
I'm not too concerned about it. What I am concerned about is that if their class ends up with four or five top 100 players, that's half of what they typically get. And I wonder how much of a hit rate you need to have with the remaining 15 to 17 guys in that in that class to not take a dip on your team in three years. Or yeah, three years. higher certainly higher than the three or four I said. But but I don't I don't think I still think they're going to end up with like 10 or so top 100 players in this class when it's all said and done. Yeah, and if they do, then this might be one of their more well-rounded like backbone classes. Because you have a nice mix of a bunch of different guys in there that can do different things, and you have some potential sneaky starting power. You have reliable backups that might be okay with that. You got a quarterback potentially that you could feel really good about, despite the fact this is an off year in recruiting that position. Like if they get ten, I mean ten would be better than the they, they didn't even sign ten last year. So, you know, I think that they have to get to eight where I will be satisfied. I don't know, like if they sign five or six, like I guess it's passable. But like, like what what is it to you? Like what's your your benchmark of success if you're just like going by the ratings alone of how many top 100 players Ohio State has to get in a given class for it to be good? Uh, I think like the minimum is probably eight. Um, so that's a, that's a high standard. I mean, that's a really high standard. Yeah. And if you look at the average, like the average player rating too, I think is, is always the best indicator. And theirs is a little low right now, obviously, but I think if they end up adding, you know, the, the six or seven more top 100 guys that I think they're going to add – or at least have a, a very good shot of adding, then then that player average will be where you want it to be in the end. Okay. I don't want to – maybe I won't put you on the spot, but I'm very curious of, like, who you think they're going to add. Um, like, in their targets. Like, are they, who are the guys that you feel good about? Brandon Innes, Noah Rogers at receiver, um, Caleb Downs at safety. Uh, so that's three. Taka Curtis at linebacker. Yep. Um Maybe someone like John Walker on the defensive line, or maybe like Larry Johnson pulls a rabbit out of a hat and gets someone like I don't know, like Jason Moore. Maybe um, I think there's I think there's someone like that. Like a, a there's probably a top 100 defensive lineman that I think will be like a Larry Johnson special in the end, um, which is maybe a little bit of a cop out, but but I think he has a track record that you can that I feel comfortable saying that. So what's that put me at like five? Um, yeah. What about that uh, Tamarian Parker kid too? That they seem to be pretty high on. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like, I don't know, like if they get like Olaus Allen who's like right on the border of being top 100, like I would count that. You count um, that. Yeah. yeah. So like Samson Okunlola, I don't know. Like there's, there's still nothing out there about him coming to visit. Ohio that's State. your guy though. He's very good. He's very that's good. That's your I guy. Just, that's the Landis. That's the Landis guy. He is the guy. If I could, if you said you could, you were putting together a high state recruiting class right now, you can have your pick of any player in the country to add to the class. I think I'd probably pick him. And that's mostly because like I've actually seen him with my own two eyes, which and it's not the case for the majority of the players that we're talking about here. But he's very good. Um, so yeah, I don't know if that puts me at like six or seven. I guess off the top of my head, there's probably more than that that I'm that I'm forgetting. Um, but I think they're in good shape. Oh, Justice Haynes. I think they can try to get Justice Haynes out of Georgia. Yeah, he's um, officially visiting Georgia this weekend. He's 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 officially visiting Ohio State at the end of June. That's the other thing with like. I feel like since the and I don't know how much this matters. I, I guess there's like there was some research that I, I apologize to the person who did it. I, I don't have their name off the top of my head. Like that that actually did did the research and said like there is a tangible benefit to having the final official visit. Um, and oh really? Like, I've always I, wondered that. I feel like a lot of years or, or in the years since like these summer visits have started, like Ohio states have been sort of like 
really kind of spread out and they're ha- like and if there was a big visit weekend it's always felt like it's been earlier in the process ohio state's big visit this this year big visit weekend this year is the last weekend of june so they're going to get the last at least like summer swing at a lot of these targets like caleb downs will be here justice haynes will be here that weekend um you should apologize for to kevin noon for stealing his his whole summer swing thing summer swing they did the southern swing Oh, the Southern Swing. The southern well, then swing. forget Kevin Noon. <laughs> so, I don't know. I think I think that's interesting. I don't. That's maybe that means nothing, but it it seemed it seemed to stand out to me a little bit that Ohio State is getting the majority of their big time targets in for the last weekend. When I feel like in the past they've been here earlier than that, and then like have had to play defense. Like if they if they did a good job, then like that kid would go to four other places, and then it would feel like Ohio State would lose a little bit of momentum. momentum yeah. Until now that doesn't surprise me at all. It seems kind of stupid, but it doesn't surprise me. It doesn't surprise me either. Like I think there's there's that there's the post visit glow. Like, I think that's a real thing, and sometimes people make decisions when they're in that glow, so it it benefits you to be the last one. I think. Yeah. So, um, oh, I didn't say Mateo Uyangalale either. I think they have a shot at getting him. Yeah, my understanding of him is that he was going to leave the West Coast, and I feel like Ohio State's the only non West Coast team that he's still really considering, right? Um, Ohio State. I think you Alabama called Big Dave and talk about it or what? Yeah, Big Dave. Yeah, I, I, they were here. They were here last summer. They were here in the spring. I think they were here, and I'm and he's coming again in June. So that's a lot of time for a kid from California. A lot of trips for, for a kid from California to come out here, um, and they have a good relationships. Good relationships with people at Bosco. Obviously, they recruit it well there. So I think that's real. I'm not saying like I've, for sure. I think Ohio State's going to get him. I would I love a story from you about why he's not really high in Clemson. That'd be interesting. I wonder. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't seen anything. Big Dave. Big Dave is out there. I, I haven't seen. Uh, he tweets a lot it. of stuff, man. Yeah. <laughs> he, he's, I, I've tried to DM him before. Yeah. He certainly. He certainly to no avail. But he. Uh, he's, he's out there for sure. That, but the reason why I said that is because he strikes me as somebody who will tell you what's up. I think so, too. I wouldn't mind. I, don't, I wonder if Mateo will camp when he comes. Yeah. Um, he might. I think the. I think he, he was here. Uh, the coaches clinic. That's when they were here last, and it was like he and he and Dave were like in the room as Larry Johnson was doing his thing, and it was like, uh, there were a bunch of high school coaches in the room, but it mostly felt like Larry was just doing his presentation for Mateo and Big Dave. <laughs> so it was kind of fun. it was kind of funny. Um, one other offer in twenty three, just quickly, uh, Jalen Thompson, a defensive lineman from Cast Tech in Detroit. So did you, 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 I'm sure you're aware of this, but did you see where Wilcher is now? I did not see where Wilcher is now, where is he? Thomas Wilcher is the former Cast Tech coach who was like the head coach during the Donovan Peoples-Jones, Mike Weber days, who used to be the running back at Michigan. He has oh, I know the, where he is. Is he at yeah. Michigan State? Yeah, he has the high school relations position at Michigan State right now, which I thought was really cool because that guy can bullshit with the best of them. Yeah. And uh, he was super gracious to us. Um, is it too? Are we allowed to tell the story or like I, I don't know? Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't see why not. Yeah, it's it's harmless, uh, and you do a really good impression of it, and you have to use the words. <laughs> I for, I actually don't remember the story. I just remember what his punchline was. <laughs> the story was we went up to go visit him during the time where Ohio State was still recruiting Donovan Peoples Jones. And I don't remember if there was another player in the in the class, but we were in Detroit for working on stories for something. There was another. There was a defensive back. I can't remember his name, but it, there was uh, a, there was a defensive back who I think went I, to Michigan. He might have gone to Michigan. Um, 
Oh, yeah, that's who we were there to really write about. We weren't there to write about Donovan Peoples-Jones. I can't remember. Um, it with a J. I'm going to look it up. Yeah, look it up while I'm talking. Um, but after the interviews were over, because like, there's two types of um, coach speak. There's the on-the-record speak, and then the second you turn off your tape recorder, the people that they turn into, which is themselves. And Thomas Wiltshire was a hell of a morpher uh, when it came from like saying the right thing publicly to to just bullshitting. And um, we were like, all right, dude, you know, you gave us the stuff about, you know, DPJ, like where do you think he's going on the record or whatever, but like what, what's actually going on here? And I said, is he just going to end up at Michigan or what? And he got like agitated because he goes, um, you remember what he said now? No, I still don't know how we get to the punchline. I, I can't remember. Okay, I said, he goes, I said, are they are all these other schools formalities or like like what are we like what's actually going on here? Can you give us some insight? And he goes, do you know how much money it costs to apply to college that his parents are are putting out there for applications? Because apparently now applying for college costs like three hundred bucks. Did you know that? I did not know that. Uh, maybe it doesn't. I don't know. For whatever, Thomas Wiltshire made it seem like it was super expensive, and he goes. You think if he's not considering all these other schools, he's going to be wasting all of his parents' hard-earned money to apply to all these colleges for his own fun, like throwing money out the window? And then what was the punchline? I'm going to swear, just for anybody who... Yeah, yeah, yeah I want you to swear. That's why uh, I want you to say it. Yeah, he said, he said, he said, do you think they want to waste their own money on college applications? And then he pauses and he goes, that's loot, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> that's hard-earned money. That's loot, motherfucker. And I thought that was the funniest thing in the entire world. And it was like, true. And then I found out that his father was a medical doctor and it made me feel like the point was less taken later on. But, yeah. uh, you know, because I think, I think Donovan Peoples-Jones' dad's like a very successful medical doctor in, in the Detroit area. Um, but yeah, like it was a really funny thing. And, and every time Bill and I talk about money, we say that to each other. Yeah. So uh, um, Jalen Kelly Powell was the other player. Jalen Kelly Powell. That's right, man. Um, Do you ever wonder about all the lifelong memories that you're just like not going to have in your head for when you inevitably have kids or, you know, from your grandma's 80th birthday and all these things that you are like deleting because you have to remember these kids' names? Yeah, that's right. When's my child's birthday? I don't know, but I know. I don't know, but I know. Jones is the five-star prospect in 2017. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But anyway, okay, go ahead. Cast Tech. Yeah, I just thought it was interesting. They're they're back there. Um, Jalen Thompson, there's crystal balls for Michigan State. Yeah. I, I actually did not, and I didn't talk with him. I actually didn't even watch him much at the camp, but I saw what he told some people afterward, and he said, like, Ohio State is the offer he's always wanted. So um, that'll be interesting to monitor. Michigan is not after him. He's the number three player in the state of Michigan. He's number 212 overall. I, I don't know, like, inside, outside, he's he's kind of short. He was, like, six – well, not short, but, like, he's 6'3", so he's not, like, overwhelmingly tall for an edge rusher, but he's pretty long. Um and he looked, and he's listed like 240 pounds, I think. So he's like a pretty well put together kid. Had a good day, and Larry Johnson offered him. So I don't think Larry Johnson's in the business of offering players he doesn't want to take um, if they want to commit right there. So um, that's another defensive lineman I think to, to add to the fold in 2023. There were some in-state offers in 2024. Um, I'll just run through them quickly. We don't have to talk about them much. Um, Elias Rudolph, an edge rusher from Cincinnati Taft. Uh, Garrett Stover, a safety from Big Walnut, who is Cade Stover's cousin. Isn't um, that what they called you in high school? Big Walnut. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and Aaron Scott, uh, a four-star corner from Springfield High School. All, all three of those guys look like they're going to be like top ten guys in the state in 2024. Um, and Ohio State's in on them early. And then the other offer, the seventh offer from the camp was Mylon Graham, 
who was a receiver from Indiana who had no offers. He came to camp with no offers, and then Brian Hartline offered him. So um, that kid's about to get a ton of offers. And then uh, a couple other just quick notes, and then we're, we're going to have a question here at the end. We're going to wrap up with um, Will Smith Jr. was there, and that was kind of my first look at him. And everyone who had seen him prior to that kind of said he, he kind of looked much much better physically. Um, he's got very much a baby face and looks significantly younger than a kid who's going to be playing college football a year from now. Um, but I thought he looked pretty good, moved really well, was big, um, had some good good weight on him it looked like, and, and looks like a kid who's going to be a pretty good um, interior lineman or could be a pretty good interior lineman. Uh, Tyler Atkinson, who is in eighth grade, He's an eighth grader. We'll be in, we'll be in high school um, this fall. He was kicking ass, man. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what this kid's deal is, where he's going to go, or if he's going to be the number one kid in the class of twenty twenty six or not. But uh, when they did offense, defense, one on ones, he's I, like six five, isn't he, or something? I didn't see this kid lose. He's list. Well, that's the thing. Like he's list. He's six. Well, you're three. there, buddy. You're you're up there in the heights. He's six three. Like he's not. I'm I'm taller than he is. He, if you look at him, you're like he's like a really well put together athlete. But you don't look at him and think like that kid is going to be an animal as a pass rusher. And then like obviously he was super fluid going through the individual stuff. And then in one on ones, he just destroyed everybody. <laughs> so it's like all right, like maybe this is what Chase Young looked like when he was in eighth grade. I don't know, but that kid, that kid's a little bit of a freak. Um, yeah, Ohio State's already offered him. Um, His nickname is Hightower, right? Is it really? No, I just made that. <laughs> <laughs> Ohio State's already offered him, and he hasn't played high school football yet, so that probably tells you everything you need to know about him. Georgia has offered him, obviously, because he's from there. Um, I don't know. Maybe he'd probably end up going to Georgia, but I, I was like, whatever. There's an eighth grader here, and then I watched the workout. I was like, holy shit! <laughs> this the hype. Did you say the hype he's sweet heavens to Betsy? Yeah, sweet heavens to Betsy. This young man's good at football, um, and then. One other guy I just wanted to mention because he had I, I kind of thought like an interesting day. Um, Brian Robinson, who is a three-star prospect from Austintown Fitch in, in Northeast Ohio, Youngstown area, he showed up. He he camped here last year, and at the time seemed like a guy who could probably grow into an offerable player for Ohio State. And and he's you know he's bigger, faster, stronger than he was back then. And he doesn't have an offer yet, but he worked out at the defensive line in the morning and then came back in the afternoon in the afternoon and did linebacker stuff for Jim Knowles. So um, didn't leave with an offer, hasn't announced one as we're recording this. Um, I think he'll probably come back and camp again to try to get one. But he, he seems to me like the quintessential like Ohio guy who's going to show up here as many times as he needs to show up to get an offer. So I just want to mention that name um, so people kind of have it in the back of their minds for the class of 2024. Um, all right. let's uh, We're going to wrap up here with a five-star Apple review question. Uh, quickly, before we do that, I meant to say this at the top and I forgot. Uh, I put up on The Athletic on Wednesday uh, the, the questions for our Ohio State fan survey. It's like 30 questions, I think. I probably went a little overboard with it. But I just wanted to oh, – I was looking at it, and I was like, bro, yeah, <laughs> like, I'm tired. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty long. But, you know, I just you – know, I apologize. But uh, we have like – I have like 700 responses so far. It hasn't even been up for a full day yet. So we're getting good Proud responses. But um, if you go to my – if you're an athletic subscriber, you can find it. The super have the athletic, theathletic.com slash four dash six. I also tweeted out at Bill Landis 25 a direct link to the survey, too. So if you're listening to this and you haven't filled out that survey, um, I would appreciate it if you would do so. And then I'll run the results later this month on the athletic. Again, theathletic.com slash four dash six is where you can get subscribed. Um, and I just want to see where people are with uh, 
kind of the state of, of what's going on with Ohio State football right now. Early early returns suggest that y'all are happy, um, but there's been some interesting kind of perspective in, in the open-ended questions in there too. So um, if you have the time to fill it out, I would greatly appreciate it, and thank you to those of you who have done so already. Um, all right, Apple five-star question. These two of them here came in from uh, someone who called themselves expatriate in Western Pennsylvania. Again, if you leave us a five-star Apple review with a question, we will do our best to answer it. Two-parter. Uh, first, he wanted us to rank the Big Ten campuses top to bottom um, in terms of food scene, bar scene, and best destination based on like what you can see along the way. We're not going to do all 14, but I thought we could give like our top answer in each category. So what is your best Big Ten campus for food scene? Penn State. Really? Every single, every single time I go to Penn State, you've taken me to this bar um, – that I oh, found to be very champs. delicious, and I always feel like whatever I eat there is delicious. Yeah. The only thing that I was upset about with Penn State was Permani Brothers, but that was in Altoona, Pennsylvania, and that doesn't count. There is um, actually one in, in State College now, but yeah, it's terrible. Yeah, um, but that's the one that jumped out to me because I was like, if I could go on one Big Ten road trip, there was a few pizza, there was a pizza place there that I thought was delicious. Um, but I, I'm surprised that I... If somebody said Arizona, I would be like, oh, my God, really? Because I went there and you get tired of the food that's on the campus for the four years you live there. Yeah. So maybe that's it. But, like, what what was yours on that? Rutgers, because I just, like, get to eat all the stuff that I ate growing up that I don't get to eat here. Like, Rutgers is only an hour from where I grew up, and it's, like, more or less the same. So it's not, like, it's my personal preference. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not like you go to Rutgers. I mean, it's close, yeah. enough to, it's close enough to New York that you can find good restaurants for sure. But it's like, I want to go to Rutgers. But Penn like, State also gives me some of that Pennsylvania yeah, Pennsylvania sure. vibe that you, you might get out there too. Yeah, yeah. But I want to like I want like good pizza. I want like a good place to get sandwiches, and you can get that at Rutgers. So that's, that's what I said. But I also took Penn State's press box food into account too. I don't know if I was supposed to do that. Uh, you, that's an inspired choice because it is good press box food. Yeah. Um. So, but also, I think Michigan and Michigan State are very good because I think Detroit has a very underrated food scene as well. Yes, I think I think there, yeah, there are. That's that, that's the thing that made this difficult. Is like when we go to these places, we don't like typically stay in the town, so it makes it a little harder. But there are places that are like adjacent to the college town that still have good places. Um, yeah, to, and the to thing too about. that I want somebody, if you're listening to this podcast, to answer because I've never understood this. Um, in Detroit, there seem to be a million different places called Coney Island. Mm. And I've never understood why it's like the only city in America that has a bunch of Coney Island restaurants. And maybe it's just kind of like a regional thing, like like diners are in the Northeast, or at least in Pennsylvania and New Jersey. But like, if you know the answer to that question, I'd be very curious to know. I've also wondered T- that. Tweeted at me. Yeah, yeah. I'd like to know the answer to that as well. All right. Uh, so with that said, like best bar scene, I don't know if we have a tremendous answer for that, but what did you, what was your answer? Madison, that? Wisconsin's got an incredible bar scene. Oh, that's a good one. I didn't think I said Bloomington, but because Bloomington's pretty good too. But Madison's probably the answer. I mean, as as we got older, we didn't go out as much. Um, we kind of just like watched football on Friday nights and like got a dinner and then just hung out in the hotel a lot of the times. Mm-hmm. But in my early twenties, the two places where I got the most messed up before the night of a game was Iowa City, believe it or not. And Iowa City had some awesome bar scenes, um, and uh, and Madison, Wisconsin, is just beautiful. And if you get if you get a game there where it's not freezing, I think it'd be great. Yeah. So those like to me like Madison, Wisconsin is the best overall trip. I think, that's but I don't really have any memorable food uh, experiences there that maybe I'm forgetting. But like what 
Like, what's Madison known for for food? Cheese curds. Yeah, I know, but like we always used to get them like in gas stations while driving into the state. Like I, I don't know that I ever had like a real good cheese curd. Yeah, I'm trying. To, I I don't have many. I've only been to Madison uh, twice: once for football, once for basketball. But I don't have any real memorable beer or uh, food experiences there. But I have drank in, a lot of Spotted Cow. And Michigan is a really really great campus too. Like I I know the people that listen to the show aren't Michigan fans, but Ann Arbor's elite. Yeah, and I I was thinking too, like if you and I didn't, if we like covered a different Big Ten program and we're asked this question like i would probably say columbus right like if you columbus i was just gonna say yeah yeah i would say the bar seat the thing that is is hard about this is that somebody's asking us about college campuses and there's a lot of big 10 like rutgers's campus is a lot different than you enjoying the foods of new jersey you know like that it's like it's not and, and like when we go to ann arbor or even east lansing for the most part we usually stayed in detroit so like we're staying in major cities and it's like that's not necessarily what I think the spirit of the conversation is. And like Columbus and the Short North are like the college town runs into the young professional bar scene. So I guess it's one and the same but like the Short North is just a city bar scene. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I would consider that the Ohio State bar scene. So like I I, I mean I lived in the Short North for 8 years. Like I I love it down there. But like I don't know if that is necessarily the spirit of the question, but like yeah. also they get really rowdy the night before uh football game. So maybe it does. They definitely do. Yeah, it definitely. I think you're right. It does feel separate a lot of the times, but I think on a Friday before a football game, it, it kind of all feels connected. Um, and then uh, best destination based on what you can see along the way, or at least just like best destination overall, I guess. Uh, Penn state again. Penn state's a beautiful drive. It is. It's a very, it's a very shitty drive. If it's, if it's snowing, but I think that the driving into the Pennsylvania mountains is one of the more beautiful drives uh, in the Big Ten. Because it's like, you got to think about it. Like, if we, me and Landis psycho drove to every single. Was there a single place that we didn't drive together? I don't know that we ever drove. Have we driven into Iowa together? Uh, I think the only place we haven't driven together in the Big Ten is Minneapolis. Okay. Yeah. We flew to Minneapolis. But we drove to Iowa and uh, we drove to. Um, to nebraska which is insane but we like road trips so um funny enough the best marriott i've ever stayed in is in davenport iowa yeah quad cities are great first the the first experience i've had with a bidet (laughs) my first and only experience of that first and only yeah Yeah. i think it's nice i love the quad cities i stayed there no i'm not talking about quad cities i'm talking about the bidet oh the bidet is nice too yeah yeah i stayed at that you think that do you think yeah it's the best marriott like value wise that you can get i think and I think one of our last road trips together was at that. We we stayed there. Mm-hmm. And you ordered a pizza, and I was, like, falling asleep. And then you brought down the leftover pizza for me to have. Remember? That was, like, the nicest thing because I, I, like, yeah. bet a lot of money on Sunday Night Football and lost. Yep. <laughs> I do remember <clears throat> that. Um, um, I think uh, Penn State's a good answer. I actually think, <laughs> like, like the, the drive to Maryland can be pretty nice. And also, when you're in Maryland, you can go to D.C. and, like, do the D.C. thing. Yeah. So I think that's a good one, too. Even though, like, Maryland's campus, I think, is terrible and there's not much going on in College Park, you can go D.C. You can hop on the train and go to D.C. or you can drive to D.C. and you'll be there in, like, 25 minutes. So Yeah, and it's like there's so many Big Ten teams that are just, like, adjacent to cool cities. Um, but, like, when you think about it, like, Minnesota's probably a, a really cool city that no one ever talks about, too. Yep. But, like, when you think about, like, where we drove – like Ohio to Michigan is not a good drive. Mm-mm. Ohio to Purdue isn't a good drive. Ohio to Indiana isn't a good drive. Champaign, Illinois is my least favorite trip in the Big Ten. Oh, brutal. Um, Northwestern has Chicago, so that's cool, you know. Yep. And it's like, 
Like, honestly speaking, like, if we're being honest, maybe I should change my food answer from Penn State to Northwestern because Chicago is just awesome. And they, we had Pequods there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, I, actually, I should probably just change it to Northwestern because Chicago's yeah. got great The problem food. is we've only, like, in the, in the, my time covering Ohio State, the Ohio State's only played at Northwestern one time. Yeah, I went there twice uh, or three times. I can't remember. But, I, I mean, Chicago's got great food. But, like, does Chicago get – does Northwestern get to harness the Chicago-ness of it? Yeah, I think so. It's close enough. So then it's probably Northwestern. But, like, Wisconsin is a beautiful drive once you get past Chicago. But it's a pain in the ass. And then Iowa is just, like, 80 – or 800 miles of just straight highway. You get to see the world's largest gas station, which – rest stop, which I think is cool. Right. And that – Nebraska. I mean, have you anybody ever driven from Iowa City to Nebraska? It's – it's quite uh, riveting. So, like, when you actually think about, like, Rutgers and Maryland, like, the most beautiful drive from to, from a topography standpoint is unquestionably Penn State. Yeah, well, and if you go to – if you go east to Rutgers, Maryland, or Penn State, like, you kind of have to drive through mountains to get there, so it's a little nicer. Yeah, yeah, and there's that one casino that we stopped in in the middle of nowhere, which I was meaning to tell you this, Bill. I was looking through Instagram the other day, and that casino just popped up as an advertisement for me. The one on the way to Maryland? Yeah, what's it called? Um, it's called like Rock Rocky Gap or something like that. Yeah, Rock Gap uh, yeah. Casino. It just like came up. I mean, I think it's a Target ad for obvious reasons, but like I do think that it was like, oh, I was like, I remember when we stopped there. I legitimately would have gone and just stayed the night there because I just thought it was like it was a cool small casino. It wasn't loud. You could gamble any way you wanted, and like it was like in a beautiful setting. Like they had yeah. a golf course, and it looks out. It's but it was like quaint. It's like in the mountains, and like there's a big lake behind it and stuff. It's yeah, pretty nice. Yeah, and it's like you don't. I've been to every casino in America, I think, and I don't think you see very many casinos that are like pretty and quaint like that. Mm-hmm. I agree. That's a good spot. Um, yeah. All right, and then the second question, well, more of an Ohio State football question, and we'll end on. Uh, Before we started this podcast, you said you wanted to go thirty minutes. I, know. And I knew this was. <laughs> that's always it's we're cute at, when you say that. We're at fifty-one minutes. Uh, yeah. All right. Uh, the question was: If Dwayne Haskins had stayed at Ohio State one more season, what impact would it have had on the quarterback room from that moment through today? I don't. That is such a departure from what actually happened that it's even impossible for me to even visualize that. Do you think it'd be much different now? Like, obviously, Justin Fields would not have come here, but I still think Ohio State would still be the destination of quarterbacks. It is now, right? Yeah, no, but I thought he meant like the the question was like which quarterbacks would be here and stuff or like who would have been like I like to me it's like Dwayne Haskins was the was the person who created the de- like without Dwayne Haskins Justin Fields probably doesn't view Ohio State as an appealing tr- uh, transfer destination and I don't know if you can definitively say that but like I think that's a fair assumption to you well yeah yeah and 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 without Dwayne Haskins leaving after one year like Justin Fields would not have come here like Justin Fields wasn't going to come to Ohio State in 2019 to be Dwayne Haskins backup that's right um. So, like, but to me, who do you think was more definitive in making Ohio State the quarterback destination? Like, there's a difference between the person who opened the door and the person who made it the place. I still and think, like, I th- think it's Dwayne because I think Dwayne, Dwayne, there was like a personal connection with Dwayne and Justin Fields that helped get Justin here. Obviously, it was that the quarterback situation was also appealing because there was no starter, but that personal connection helped in addition to how well Dwayne played. And then, like, I remember going to St. Joe's Prep and talking to Kyle McCord, like, all he talked about was Dwayne Haskins. Yeah, well, I I think that without Dwayne Haskins, that Ohio State might be having, like in this world, they might be still having very good quarterbacks, but I think they might be more the athletic throwing second type still. But like, you know what I've noticed, Bill? If you think about um, just high school football recruiting in general, and maybe this is just the evolution of the sport, but like back in the day, 
there used to be like dual threat athletes that were ranked as quarterback prospects in the two four seven composite rankings that like were just like crazy Braxton Miller type athletes, right? Mm-hmm. That you know could throw well enough to get by in college, but like really were just freak, freaky athletic. Quarterbacks now are freaking quarterbacks. Well, two four seven even like eliminated the dual threat tag, right? Yeah, there's no dual threat tag anymore because it was mildly racist. And, uh, um, you know, I I think that it was just kind of like the whole dual threat thing, I think, was a nice way of saying this person can't throw very well. And, like, now it's just kind of like if you are a good runner, that's part of your tool bag of being a quarterback, and we rate you for all of it. So, like, I mean, I still didn't really understand the distinction between dual threat and and pro style. It was kind of odd, yeah. Um, But – I look at the top 15 quarterbacks or the top 25 quarterbacks in the class and all those dudes can throw like the, uh, the evolution of offense, the quarterback coaching that these kids are getting. No, I mean, a lot of these high schools have legit quarterback coaches now, you know, and it's just like, I'm very curious. And I think maybe even a spinoff question to that is like, if Braxton Miller were a senior now, like, what would he be ranked? Would he just be, like, a five-star athlete? No, I don't think so. Because I think... I feel like you can draw... A, 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 can, can you draw a comparison between, like, Braxton Miller and Caleb Williams? Um, I guess so. I mean, because Caleb like Williams super, is a really good runner, but super Caleb Williams is a cannon, doesn't he? But, well, Braxton had a strong arm, right? Like, I, I don't yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Braxton's like arm strength. I'm going back. I want to look because I haven't looked at this in a long time. Braxton Miller, two four seven sports. I just want to see like what his profile said. Do you remember like what his rating was? Uh, he was like yeah. So he was twenty. Right? He was a five star quarterback ranked number twenty nine nationally as a dual threat. Um. So like obviously anybody who watched his high school tape and just this guy just drips with athleticism. I don't know like where he would be ranked in a world where you have Arch Manning. Like like if you think about like Arch Manning and uh Eli Holstein and you go watch their tape and then you like put it up against Braxton Miller's high school tape, it's like two quarterbacks that are like f- literally morphing into NFL guys in front of your eyes and then there's like some guy like running around like crazy where nobody can tackle him. Yeah. And I just think it's like a different vibe to it. And I don't know like even if you go back and look at Terrell Pryor like what was Terrell Pryor's high school tape like? Oh, the guy who was six foot six and just ran over and passed everybody and like was just f- literally seven inches taller than everybody else on the field and just physically dominated everybody. Like I, I don't know that there's a lot of quarterback tape like that right now, and I don't know if they're getting moved over to athlete or what. But like it just seems to me that quarterback is more of a, a pronounced skill set than it used to be. Yeah, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Tell me I'm wrong if you think I'm no, wrong. I wonder that too. Like if like if like. Goes like guys like that guy or a guy like Tim Tebow, like was come like coming yeah. through now. Like, what? How would he be evaluated? Because there just seems to be such a premium on passing ability. I feel like passing ability has absolutely taken precedent over your athleticism. But it's like if you look, and I, and I don't know how else to say this, but like last year's top quarterbacks, the top five quarterbacks in the country: Drew Aller, Cade Klubnick, Connor Wegman, Ty Simpson, and Devin Brown. None of them look like Braxton Miller. Like, I mean, it's like a completely different type of player. Mm-hmm. Like on tape, if you watch them. So, like, I, I just, like, I don't know. Like, Braxton Miller was one of the best quarterbacks in his entire class, and they dis- there was a distinction for it now. 
And it's like, but what do they do with the with the dual threat quarterbacks that would have been that would have been uh, under the dual category? Like, where do they go? And I mean, this might be an actually interesting story. I'm trying to remember because I th- I still think like the 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 distinction I think existed still in the 2018 class. So like Justin Fields was considered like a dual threat, and I think like Trevor Lawrence wasn't. Um, but like even Justin Fields' tape would be a yeah. And what was the difference there? I don't know because because Trevor Lawrence is like very like very, very 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 agile, very yeah. So and also like ran sixty yards on Ohio State's ass in the playoff, yeah. like he was Michael Vick out there. So like I mean I don't know if you were to run an option you, offense with Trevor Lawrence in college, you could. I think you could legitimately make the case that Trevor Lawrence was a bigger run threat in college than Justin Fields was. He probably ran more, yeah. So it's just like I don't know, like if you look at the. Just go look at the – I implore you all to go look at the 2022 top quarterback list and then look at them and then, like, go to 2015 and look at them and tell me if you find a difference. I want to look that up now to see. I might have just said something that was, like, horribly wrong about how much Trevor Lawrence ran in college. Can you look up how much Justin Fields ran in college? And I'm going to look yes. up Trevor Lawrence. How about just at Ohio State? Yeah, that's fine. Oh, he ran a lot. Trevor Lawrence ran – in his career, Clemson ran 231 times for almost a thousand yards. Okay, let's. Uh, what do you think Justin Fields is? In his career, I would say. Well, uh, I would say that Justin Fields ran for like 180 times for 600 yards. No, it was more than that. He rushed 137 times in 2019. It says. So that's like what ten times a game. Yeah, but Which like seems Trevor, wrong. Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence rushed 103 times that year. So it's like he's right there with them. Yeah, and then in 2020, he just didn't run at all. It was 81. Yeah, Lawrence was 68. But so. he had 10 rushing touchdowns in 2019. And I just like, in my head, I remember that Justin Field just didn't run it very much. So he ran it a little bit more. And the total yardage here is um, uh, roughly 800. So like yeah. 750-ish. Trevor so, Lawrence ran for more. Yeah. So it's just like what... Like and if Justin Fields, if the dual threat quarterback thing was still a ranking right now in two four seven sports, I still think that he would be a pro style. Yeah. Like the dude's got a, he's got the arm of an angel. Like I mean, <laughs> I, I, I don't know how else to put it. So it's just like there aren't very many Braxton Miller ish type athletes, and maybe Caleb Williams is the closest thing to it. But like if you go back and like even look at the twenty twenty three class. The top quarterbacks in the country right now. Well, I don't know. Like, I haven't watched much tape of Malachi Nelson. Maybe he's exactly what that is. You know, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Um, but like Nico, I am a light. I don't know how. I'll I am a leave. Say, I am a leave. Is that correct? Yeah. Um, he's six foot five, one hundred ninety five pounds. So it's not like he's like a like a make you miss, juke you out of your underwear type of out of player just based on his body type. You know what I mean? So I don't know. Yeah, it's actually if. Kind of I don't even know how we got on this topic, country. but yeah. Um, but to get back to the question, I actually I don't think Ohio State's quarterback situation would be drastically different now had Dwayne Haskins. Been yeah, no, I'm with you. I think I also. I, I wonder if C.J. Stroud might have ended up here, but I think no matter what, like Kyle McCord would have been here. Um, but C.J. Stroud probably could have been here too because it's like C.J. Stroud would have blown up the same way, and it's like they would have needed a starting quarterback in 2020. Like, I wonder if Dwayne Haskins would have done that, who would have been Ohio State's starting quarterback in 2020? I wonder if Dwayne Haskins would have stayed for another year 
if Tate Martell would be a Heisman winner right now. No way. He wait, he wouldn't have talked all that shit to Justin Fields at the Rose Bowl. He just wasn't like, listen, I love Tate Mar- <laughs> I love Tate Martell, right? I love me. Come on, buddy. You're supposed to back me up the on man, this, man. That's your the guy. Man, the man is not, was not good enough to be a high state starting quarterback. At least at least in the offense that Ryan Day was running. And Urban's like 26. Do you think he would have stayed the another year though? Probably because he would have like, been he- in line. No, I just like I don't know. Ryan Day would have gone out and gotten who knows as a tra- he would have gotten that cycles version of Justin Fields. I don't know who that was. But he would have gotten some dynamite transfer to come be the starter, probably. Landis, you're supposed to say that Justin Fields' arrival at Ohio State torpedoed what would have been an NFL career at quarterback for Tate Martell. I, as much as I would love to say that, I don't want to lie to people. <laughs> but, I'll lie to him. I think I think it would have been great. Um, I would have loved to watch it. But I bet you he would have <laughs> stayed another year. I think he would have certainly would have hung around through that spring. I just I just don't know. Sometimes I wonder, and like this isn't the thing that annoys me about Tate Martell more than anything is everybody on Ohio State's staff evaluated the hell out of that kid. He never lost a high school game, and like I don't know what the plan was. The plan that he was supposed to be like Johnny Manziel is that what the vision was? I think so. And it's yeah. like if he is not like if he just could not, um. If he could just not um, transfer and torpedo his career all around in eight different directions and stayed in one place and tried something new, then maybe it would have been different. I think and I'm not saying being a starting quarterback in the NFL, but like maybe would have been a productive player somewhere at some position. I'm looking to see like who were the most like high-profile guys who drafted or who transferred. Oh, you know who would have been Ohio State's quarterback? Huh? JT Daniels. That would have been great. <laughs> Somebody just rang my doorbell, Bill. Can you wrap this up? I'm going to wrap it up. All right, go ahead. It's a person who stole your credit card. Thank you so much for listening to 4 to 6 with A&B. We greatly appreciate it. Uh, thank you for dropping that five-star review. And again, if you want to leave a five-star review for us uh, and with a question, we will do our best to get to that question. Ohio State's camps roll on next week. There's one on Monday. There's one on Tuesday. Um, we'll talk about some of the happenings there on, on the next episode we give you guys next week. And then there's three more after that to wrap out the month. And also, obviously, uh, official visits happening throughout the month as well. So a lot going on with recruiting, um, a lot going on as we gear up for the 2022 college football season. So thanks, as always, for listening. And we'll talk to you guys next week. Mm-hmm.